Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where our goal is to help you increase your leadership capacity. Let's get ready for today's episode. Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where we get to hang out with you on a monthly basis with the goal of helping you expand your leadership capacity. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And as we go along, I also want to remind you that you can follow along on our webpage at visit1cc.com slash leadershiproundtable, where you can get an outline of what we're going to talk about today. Mama. And today, we have... Dr. Conway Edwards with us, and a special guest. Hey! Tell us about this special guest. Well, he's our longest standing staff member, Pastor Kurt, <laughs> the Yale graduate. Hey, uh, he's believe. with us today, and he's our outreach pastor, incredible man of God, loves Jesus, and uh, just loves the mission field, and uh, does a great job, incredible job, has always done so, and uh, so we're going to talk about some fun stuff today. So Pastor Matt, what does that look like today? Yeah, we really want to jump in and talk about, uh, for pastors and leaders listening, how we can, uh, sometimes it means going back to our roots and how we started, and we want to talk about 10 unique strategies for how you can act as if you're growing a church from the beginning. Sometimes we have to hit a reset button in our head. Like we all and did for COVID. Yes, yes, sir. Talk about that. Yeah, so I love I love this uh, podcast uniquely because it's it's when you get to dream a little bit. Uh, what has been, what has not been done before that you're trying to do to 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 be unique in your culture to reach your community uniquely. And so we're going to give you ten things we've done in the past. Uh, most of them we still do now, and I think they'll be exciting for you. And I think it will trigger thoughts for you to come up with perhaps ten better ones than we did as we go through this process together. So. You're trying to grow a church, either whether you're just starting or you're restarting, and you're trying to figure out what do we need to do that's unique to reach the community? What are the needs of the community? How do we look at where the devil is winning and providing darkness? And how do we provide light in those situations? So we want to talk about some of that. And so why don't we jump in, Pastor Matt? What's the first one that we got? Number one, 10 strategies. Again, follow along on our webpage, is that the first building will determine the size of your church. My, 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 my. This is a big one, y'all. This is a big one. It, it seems so random, but it is so true. The size, uh, the size of your church is determined by the first building you have. In other words, if you get a really, really small building, then when you when when you pack the whole thing out, uh, if the if the group doesn't have enough resources because it's not big enough to then go to the next building, then you get stuck in the first one. And this happens all the time. That is why um, how you start really, really matters. So we started in a house, and uh, we wouldn't move and or leave the house till we had no standing room, not seats, no standing room left in the house. And so when we started started back in the day, uh, we were, were packing about 40, 50 people in a house. And when that got to be uncomfortable, then we said, okay, where else can we go? And, you know, everybody was saying, are you looking for a building? We didn't need a building. We committed. I would not get a building until we had a large enough amount of people that could support the cost of a building. So we went to a hotel uh, in Allen, Texas, and we're, we started in two little ballrooms. We started there for a little while, and we stayed there until we had 
had standing room only. Then we went to three, and we never had a building. We never had an office because we just didn't want to spend money on issues that were not or things that were not germane to our mission, which therefore means we stayed in that hotel until we're doing six services, and we were dying. That's when I said, okay, God, we need something. Pastor Kurt, tell us about that. What did that feel like? You remember those days? How did you even get Come six on. services in a day? Well, that's a good question, Pastor Matt, because, so literally, y'all, this hotel, we took over the whole hotel, right? It was where we did our offices, so we had an agreement for Sunday only, and first it was Sunday morning, then it went to all day Sunday, and then it went to, <laughs> hey, can we, well, if nobody's using your boardroom, can we use your boardroom? So then we'd use their boardrooms for all our meetings, all our Tuesday night meetings, that's where we had them, and then they'd give us, we worked a deal where we'd get breakfast for free, so then we'd have all kind of breakfast coupons, so then I'd have all my meetings at the hotel so that's all we did we just we stayed in that hotel then we said hey can we do four services in there three in the morning one at night Kurt that was pretty incredible what what, what are your thoughts first I just want to say that we owned the Hilton Garden Inn okay hold on that weird. <laughs> <laughs> we owned it but we did we, we did I we mean did. we just lived there and so it was funny because when people would walk in they're walking in for the hotel um, and then all of a sudden they found themselves at our church. That's right. Um, and so it was amazing. And we utilized every inch of, of that. We, so y'all, we were having baptism in their pool. Like That's we, it. every inch, That's the parking it. lot, we, we owned, <laughs> we owned it, but it was amazing. You know, those early years, I think they were formidable because we, we learned how to hustle. Yep. I mean, nothing, we took nothing for granted. Um, people, when they came, they knew it was all day. Um, your all kids, you packed a lunch, kids were there all day. And that's how, you know, my kids, that's all they knew. They, yeah. all they knew is that's what we did on Sunday. So they met a lot of great kids there. It was family. So, uh, you woke up early, um, you set up, it was a, uh, some, we had some people get a U-Haul. They had to get it, take it over. We unpacked it every we, week, every week. And then we had to take down, it wasn't over until everything was on the truck. Then we had to take it over to the storage. That's it. And uh, lock would, everything people up. People wouldn't get home till like 10 o'clock at night. Do you it remember that? Dark, if it, so, it, was a, it was dark, dark. It, <laughs> we started dark and we ended dark. Mm. It was amazing, Praise though. It really was. And then uh, we'd have three services in the morning. I don't remember the times, like 7.30, 9.30 or something else. And then we'd have a break. And we'd have a room upstairs, two rooms, actually, that uh, girls could sleep in one and guys sleep in one. And then we did that. Everybody slept. Then they got up. And went back downstairs and then did the night service after that at about 6 o'clock. It was insane. But you need to know what's driving that. What's driving that is we would not go into any building that was too small, which then would have us get stuck in there because you could not generate the resources to buy a bigger building. And when you're in an expensive part of town, you only get to do it once. And so that was vital, vital, vital. Kurt, Pastor Kurt, do you remember when we, we rented, a, um, we didn't have any more space, and we rented a school bus? We had to rent a school bus to do middle school. So the middle school kids would go on to school, there's about two of them, and they would drive around to some school, come off the bus, do their Bible study, get back on the bus and drive back to church. By that time, hopefully, depending on who was preaching, it would be over, and then they'd you know, kind of meet with their parents again. Um, that was some crazy times. It really was. And I think that highlighted the ingenuity and the creativity that you need in those early days. Mm -hmm. you know? So you can't replicate everything that we tell you, but those are the big ideas. Like yeah. when, you're, when God gives you that vision and you hit a roadblock, 
he's going to give you the ability to overcome that. But sometimes it takes a little bit of ingenuity. And that's yeah. the fun part. It really is. For those kids, that was it. Uh, they loved it. Church on a school bus. Oh, what? Awesome. And then the last one was when we had to get the – didn't we have to get, like, a studio upstairs? Yeah. Uh, was that, like, a dance? Studio. A karate studio. That's what it was. And we had to go across the street and put some kids upstairs because we were running out of room. And all we knew was we're not moving from here until we get a building. And the building had to be big enough to hold, you know, everybody that was coming. We're doing about 1,000 people in the hotel four services, all three in the morning, three in the, one in the evening, and it was just incredible. But the idea is that you have to come up with ways in which to still meet the needs of the people while you still wait on what God really has for you next. So that's the first one, Matt. Uh, Pastor Matt wasn't even here at that time. He came after the hotel, but that was the fun days of, uh, of trying to figure out what you're going to do next, what's the next challenge to solve. It was awesome. Right, and the, the challenge for the pastors listening is uh, a principle I heard recently was you don't want to just leave something. You want to move towards something. Oh, that's good. So that's a lot good. of times guys in this setup just want to get out of it so bad that they're not careful what they're going towards. That's right. And that's there's right. intentionality in that thing they go towards. So yeah. um, that's number one. Number two. Okay. What do you got? 60% volunteers. My, 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 60% volunteers. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Kurt, you want to start on that one? What do, you, what do you think about that? That was unheard of, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I really felt like it's 80% volunteers. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was one of the things that we were so great at. When you, when you walked in our door, um, next thing you know, you were serving at the door. Uh, yep. we, there was no, I promise you, there was no like six weeks of you got to take this training and go to this class. It was, hey, how you doing? Um, can, can you, yeah, exactly. Let's go. Can you do this? And, uh, and people loved that. They felt like um, they could jump in and yep. they, they had a purpose. And that's what kept them back because they felt like we needed them. And so now obviously there are things that, you know, you, you have standards for. You can't just jump on a stage and start singing and, and things like that. But for the most part, you could do almost anything. And so everybody got involved. Um, and that, again, it created that family feel. Yeah, and this is important because – uh, we believe that in the, what we call the priesthood of the believer, mm -hmm. which means God has given everybody a spiritual gift. Yeah. The important part of this is too often for pastors, uh, we love when we get to do and use our gifts, but we forget that God has endowed a gift on every, every Christian. Therefore, every Christian has a gift, and they should use that gift as well. And so we can't do what God's called us to do until everybody gets to do what they were gifted to do. And so because we were convinced of that, we made sure that everybody knew their spiritual gift and then jumped in and started serving wherever they could. And it was, it was missional on our part to make sure that every believer knew their gift and was using that gift in the body of Christ. And I just wish, mm -hmm. talk about engagement, Pastor Matt, I just wish that churches all across America, all across the world would realize that it's your job as a spiritual leader to equip the saints to do the mm -hmm. work of the ministry. It's not your job for the saints to pay you to do the work of the ministry. It's your job to equip them and inspire them so that they sense God using them yeah. in ways they have never done before. And I want to encourage every pastor, minister, minister leader, lay person that God's giving you people. And when he does, they all have a gift and you cannot get to where he wants you to go unless everybody knows their part and plays their part in God's kingdom program. That's number two, Pastor Matt. What do you got? That's really good. That's really good. Number three is something you'll see in your notes called the 50% giving rule. My, my. 
Fifty um, percent giving rule. Pastor Matt, this one—I mean, Pastor Kurt, uh, this one was fun. Not—not uh, not for most people, but it was fun for me. Um, <laughs> what I meant is that we decided early on we'd live off of fifty percent of our budget. That means that's why we didn't have a. That's why we didn't have an office. That's why we didn't have uh, pastors on staff for the first two years. Everybody worked for free. Nobody, nobody got a salary. The reason we did that is because we thought it's so significant that every resource we got, we got to make sure we're saving it. Here's why: because when you're in the part of town that we're in, we knew. Anything we purchased would be extraordinarily expensive. So therefore, you had to save like crazy to make sure that whatever facility ultimately got, you knew it would be very expensive. So you had to save a whole lot of money to make sure you had the down payment. So I, from the get-go, we were saving like crazy. And we had zero expense as long as we could, except for the building that we're in. Mm -hmm. And so people would use their own resources. That's why we didn't buy a big truck to move everything and keep it somewhere. That's why we did a U-Haul every day. And then we we had a storage facility that we stored our stuff because we were trying to make sure that whatever receipts we got in those early years, we never spent more than 50% because 50% was going to savings so we could afford whatever God uh, allowed us to have. And so whether that meant uh, Jada had to be working and Pastor KC's wife had to be working and we just tried to do it for the glory of God. And he was so gracious in allowing us those first three years, two years for sure, to live um, without going above that 50% and everything went toward storage. Kurt, you had any thoughts about that time? Yeah, it was all in. Um, so my wife was working hard and, you know, it just felt like this was, and I, I think that that's part of why you feel like you're committed to this church. It's all in. You're putting in everything, your time, your family, your resources, everything. And so it all mattered. And it's funny because, you know, you say that we are so frugal because we were frugal. But we all, it, when you went there, it didn't feel frugal, though. Mm -hmm. It was the highest end, like, quality speakers and, you know, uh, monitors. So it felt like, you know, we had poured a lot into it. So we did a lot to make the experience excellent. Yeah. Um, but we definitely, in terms of cutting every other corner, uh, we sure did. I remember keeping my receipts for everything. Them little crumpled up receipts, <laughs> turning them in. Oh, yes. We were not spending money on very much. Yeah, and that's important because here's the principle that drove one of them that drove it is the, whatever you're going to purchase is going to be very expensive. So don't wait until you get there and then ask people for money to get you there. You've got to show people, especially what I call knowledge workers, sophisticated people, that you are fiscally responsible as well so that when you ask them, you'll tell them, hey, here's what we saved. And here's what we need you to give. And, but we're responsible because this is what we said. We didn't have to, but we did because we thought it was fiscally responsible to do it. Now we're asking you to stretch as we stretch to pull off what we believe God is calling us to do. And that meant when we got our first building, it, I remember it cost about $7.5 million. And after three years, we needed $2 million to, for a down payment because we're just this young church. Very few banks would give it to us. And I remember the bank, the bank uh, president saying to me, I've never seen a church after three years save $2 million dollars and it was because we knew that anything God provided it would be extraordinarily expensive to do and so we we God graciously allowed us to set it up 
so that we could, when the opportunity came, we were ready for the opportunity. And there are probably three or four other opportunities that showed up, y'all, and we, we, we almost bid on them. I would say, no, it's not big enough, or we thought, no, it's not the right location, or one of them, Pastor Coach, you can tell us about this one, where we, we thought this was God's will for us, and we marched around that place like like the walls of Jericho. It just didn't come down, so it wasn't ours. Well, tell us about that, Pastor Coach. What happened Yeah, there? I remember um, we went over there, and we literally, we walked around, we prayed about it. It was cool too. Tears and yeah, some everything. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, it just was not for us. And thankfully, because the parking lot was like itty bitty, we we just would have outgrown it. Um, with with the year. cars we currently had, we would have outgrown it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. 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 So, no, inside the building was cool though. It was like it was like unique. It was a circular experience all the way up office building. And we thought, oh man, this is going to be creative. And they, no joke, they probably had mm, 80 parking spots. We'd have been done in uh, God's grace was upon this church and these leaders, and he didn't answer our prayer. Now, here's what, here's, there's a principle right there, Pastor Matt. You ought to thank God for the prayers he didn't answer because, Lord, have That's mercy. That's a whole other podcast. That is a whole other podcast because if he had answered that one, I don't know where we'd be today, but he didn't. Probably I'm, in that I'm building. Grateful for it. Probably in that building with 80 cars still, right? Praise the Lord. Now, I do have a, I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have a unique. I don't have a unique window into your bank account, mm -hmm. but I have a suspicion that that's how you live personally too. Why well, do well, you want to go personal, me, man? So yes, the answer is yes. I try to. I try to make sure we live off of one income. So if both Jada and I are working, only one person. We should all our expenses should be on a one person's salary, and then the other one you save. Absolutely, one hundred percent. But I just wonder how hard it is for somebody who doesn't live that way mm. to then try to implement it somewhere else. Yeah, but, but and it, you're right, and it all depends on how you start. Because mm -hmm. if you don't start that way and you yeah. get over your head, then it's really tough. So we started yeah. when, um, oh, this is, you don't want to hear these stories, man. We started when uh, I was making, as, as, I think I was making like $20,000 a year back then. And um, Jada was making sixty, and we lived off of my salary, not hers. And that was our first, not first, but we've had many. But that was one of our fights that we had. And I said, yeah, we need to live off of 20, not the 60. Let's save the 60 and live off of 20. And so we started that. So when everybody else was buying houses, we didn't get one. And yeah. everybody else was doing their things. Praise God you didn't have Instagram and all that social media mm -hmm. at that time. Because if you did, then we'd have seen what everybody was doing. But we didn't. And so we... we everybody had automatic windows that went up. You know what, Pastor Kurt? Ooh, he the had a Honda, y'all. I remember. <laughs> oh, the Accord. He had a Honda, and you had to manually roll hey, up hey, the windows. Yay! Hey, hey. And it had nothing to do if I could afford another car. It didn't have anything to do with that. The goal was, until we are at a place when we can live absolutely comfortable of one way, we're always going to live off of one salary that's it and so until the other person which was me got a raise we wouldn't do it we'd just stay right where we are so that's what we did and we do that today we still do absolutely it was fun though thank you I for letting me no, go no 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 i give one more i give one more this stuff nothing to do with church i remember when i was dating jada <laughs> um my car didn't have ac it was a corolla at that time mm. and i went to pick her up you probably don't want to know this but I'll tell you anyways. And, uh, and, I was, and, and yeah, you had to wind the window up at that time. It was a Corolla at that time. And we didn't have AC in Texas. And, um, and she, that's why I know that girl loved me. She does. Well. She didn't marry me for money. Praise the Lord. She amen. did love me. Praise the Lord. Matt, you sound like you want to debate that. Amen. That she didn't marry me. No, I'm amen. <laughs> can we parenthetically uh, make sure that we forward this to Jada so that she can listen <laughs> and verify 
Um, number four uh, on our list is going to really fold into number three. Number four is that there was no paid staff for the first two years of the church. Uh, well, you know, leadership is influence. If, if you have to pay everybody to work with you, then you're really not a leader. You are somebody who is paying for hired help, right? So one of the beautiful ways to recognize leadership is if you have influence. And if you have influence, then you can inspire somebody to do what God's calling them to do and you to do. And so one of the things we said up front is we're not going to hire anybody, and we're going to do it. And by the way, in some cases, excuse me, Pastor Matt, we still do that. That's how we started our, our Garland campus is Nobody got paid, and God blessed it. Uh, and then as you grow, then you can do and uh, pay people accordingly. Yeah. But I just, think, I just think it's huge to remember that when you're leading, if you have to give somebody something for them to follow you, and it's not your inspiration and influence, then you really are not a leader. You're just somebody who can have somebody follow you because you're giving them something in exchange and that was huge and we've always had a leadership culture which means you always have to uh, lead people with influence and not with money that's why i think the church has a difficult task to lead others because in the corporate area in the corporate world you just pay somebody and they follow you mm -hmm. but in in the church world you got to inspire volunteers to follow you and so i think le church leaders have a, have a much harder task of influencing people and today it's even harder than ever because everybody wants their own brand pastor kurt what are your thoughts on that anything yeah, yeah no i think it's a really great filter because you really get to see people who have a heart for the vision of your church um you can't have any other ulterior motives um you can't you definitely not, not going in it for the money clearly <laughs> um i think for for us it was a it was a tough challenge and a, and a tough ask for me and my wife and our family um but again we believed in the vision we believed that this church is where god called us and so we were willing to make the sacrifice i think it was even a more a more difficult ask when you have to explain it to your in-laws, <laughs> mm. multiple conversations with her dad. Like you doing what? Right. You not you not getting paid for what? Like it was just like no sir. So, um, but yeah, but it was a commitment, and we were in it. So, um, yeah, here we are. I I, I really think we're at, at that time we're just excited about creating a church that we wanted to go to. And we're passionate about what kind of church would you want to go to? Then let's create that environment and let's just see if anybody else would like the kind of church we would want yeah. to go to. And yeah. we're just shocked at what God has done through the years since then. Speaking of um, speaking of money, number five mm -hmm. is this idea of a reverse offering. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! What so in the world is this all about? So y'all, you got to remember when we were starting our church, one of the things we asked ourselves was. What are people tired of in church? What are they just tired of? So one of them was they're tired of it, you know, 30-minute messages on the on giving. They're tired of everything being about money, money, money. So we decided that instead of taking money from people, we'd bless people with money. And so a number of times, I don't know, Pastor Kurt, how many times it is, we just fill the whole offering plate with money. Like fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it. And we just have one rule. No kids can take money out, but if you have a need, on this morning, we're going to bless you. And so we'll just pass the plate, and people take money. And oftentimes, people be scared, y'all. They'll be terrified about taking money because they're like, oh, is God going to zap me if I take it? And then, ultimately, what happened is we'd come get it back, and there'd still be money in there. And I said, no, somebody, somebody's not 
is, is too pride to take money, so mm -hmm. we pass it around again until it was all gone, and then we had a big party as people's needs were met, and they were blessed. Pastor Kirk, had you ever seen that before? And tell me, tell me what, what was going through your heart when that happened. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, and I remember there oftentimes were people that um, – they're, they barely made it. They didn't have. They just had enough gas to get to church, mm -hmm. and they didn't know how they were going to get home. They didn't know how they were going to make it through the week. Um, it was pretty amazing. There's always people just crying and just could not believe the generosity of a church because they are. They're just used to a church. They feel taking advantage of them. Um, I remember also the fact that we always had our giving boxes on the wall. Like mm -hmm. we didn't. We didn't always take offering. And so it was, you know, you gave yeah. because you felt God was calling you to give to this church. Yeah, that was another one of the, of the ten where we just thought, um, since people are so terrified about the church always bleeding them, we decided early on as a strategy that we would, hey, man, here's what we do. We won't pass the plate. We won't do it all. The only time we'll pass it is when you can take money out. Until then, as God blesses you, you give. And we always taught the principle, if God has given you more than enough, you should ask him, why has he given you more than enough? And when you ask that question, he'll tell you what you should give it toward. And so we just teach the principles of giving. And ever since then, our church has been one of the most generous churches right. in all of the world. It just really has, and we're very grateful and honored for that. So much so, Pastor, I want you to tell the story. So much so that when we bought this building, well, what, where I was driving by one day and I said, God, really, we can't keep up four services. We got to get out of here. Can you please provide us a building? Why did you bring me this far to embarrass me? And then one day I'm driving past, and uh, the, the, the church location that we're in now is one of the most amazing in all of Collin County. And it's because in the center of all of it's in the center of all of Collin County. So what that meant was we then decided that um, we asked them if they were selling it. They said, they said, we're just thinking about it last night. And all of a sudden, three months later, we had a building. We had to get the money, and then we had to have give the $2 million that we had saved, and then we're in a building three months later. But that's not the beautiful part. Pastor Kurt, tell him what we didn't know, which was a blessing because of the generosity of our people and good stewardship. What did God do and what did we find when we came into this church? Yeah, it's amazing. So there was already a school mm -hmm. that was meeting here. And so the school would meet during the week. And so they were paying, I don't know what percentage. 30,000. Yeah. And so they were paying that amount. And so it was covering pretty all much of our expenses. The, all of our expenses. And so they decided to stay on when we bought when we purchased the building they started with us they stayed with us and so during the week we had them going and that was a huge blessing it was a huge blessing. Uh, we didn't have to walk into a huge debt um and we had a great partnership with them um okay. it dovetailed with them there was no animosity they were they were really on board for what we did and what our vision was it was really huge because that thirty thousand a month that we got then paid all or every last bill we had so therefore everything over and above that was saving. So now we went right back to our, to less than 50% yeah. because that 30% paid the mortgage note, paid by that time we had a couple of salaries, it paid everything we had. And that's where God just uniquely showed his favor upon our upon our church and upon our lives, which is why to this day, you nobody at this church can brag. And we can't tell people to follow our blueprint. Why? Because there's just some stuff that God's hand of blessing yeah. was just on. And we just give up and say, we're just grateful to you, God. Thanks for all that you do. Make sense?
Yeah. What do you got, Pastor Matt? Well, um, the next one is number six, and it really is another unique thing. Mm-hmm. It is the strat. Most people think a strategy for Wednesday night men's and women's Bible studies. But how did that all come about? Pastor Gert, you tell them about that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know the origination story. I just was in it, and it was amazing. I remember um, <laughs> we would meet at this uh, – because we couldn't meet at the Hilton Garden Inn. So we would meet at a, a different church. They just lent out a couple rooms for us. And, um, and I just remember um, being in those rooms. It would be like you know, 15, 20 guys, and um, Pastor Conway would have this vision. He's like – we're going to grow this ministry one day. We're going to be like 300 men coming together. And we would just look at him like, because there's only 15 of us. And he's like, this guy is crazy, you know, um, but it was amazing. Some of us still think that, (laughs) but yes. (laughs) But it was always powerful. We would get together um, and he was always challenging us. um, Whatever, see the thing about it, whatever, um, whenever you went there, it was something new. It was always something exciting, whether we were talking about really deep stuff or fun stuff. Um, and that's that. And then the connection there, the guys really we were able to just um, really in those rooms, honestly, share what we were going through and the struggles. And so it developed a, really a strong foundation in the core. But it's really exciting when I go on Wednesday nights because now it we're a thousand men strong. And so it's a reality. Um, you know, and, and to think to those days, literally, he was drawing on the, and it was a blackboard, like a chalkboard back then, um, circles, and he'd say, we're going to get to this size, and we're just like, oh, my gosh, this guy is crazy. But we stuck with it, and now you can see it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. what was unique about Wednesday night was um, we're trying to figure, we didn't have child care, so we're trying to figure out how do we do it? What are we going to do for Wednesday night? And so most people just have Wednesday night church. Well, we didn't have childcare, so one person had to stay home. That's why we started this men's and women's Bible study. We came out of a creative solution to a problem that we had. So not everybody's uh, wife can teach the Bible, so it was great because the ladies could go and Jada would teach them, and then the, the, the kids would stay home with the dads, and then the next week would be flipped, and the men will go out, and then mm-hmm. the ladies will stay home That's with good. the kiddos. And so it just worked out automatically. But again, that just came out of necessity. How do we have a regular Wednesday night Bible study when there's no place for kids? And it was because they would not allow us to have kids there because the liability would be too high this particular Lutheran church that was so gracious to lend their building to us. By the way, that's another thing. We had so many partnerships with churches. All our praise teams, Pastor Kurt, you remember this? Practice at First Baptist Allen, and we had a great relationship with the pastor, and he gave us their student building, gave us the keys to it. We could use it anytime. And I'm telling you, the, par- the partnerships that we formed, the next one was uh, Pastor Art at the, at, the, at the Lutheran church in Plano, and he just says, hey, man, any Wednesday night you want, we just, because of liabilities, we can't do the kids but you can get it for anything you want. We had couples events there, but it's just great guys wanting to help a church yeah. plant that um, God just opened up some unique doors. You know, the problem with it, Matt, is oftentimes we still call ourselves a church plant to see if we can get some benefits. We still try to use it. They don't buy it anymore, but it's still, we still I, try to I've use it. I've still heard that a few times. <laughs> church plant, struggling, young that's church. That's it, that's it, that's it. Uh, number seven <laughs> We did hit on this, but I do think it's quite ironic that the heart in the beginning was no offering plate, and now here we are 14 years later, back to no offering plate. For real, dude. 
That's crazy. So when 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 COVID happened and um, nobody was coming to church, people weren't giving anymore. I mean, with envelopes and stuff, it was already built into our culture. So what really happened with us is, so we went from no offering plate, then we came to the building, uh, to the small one we call Little House on the Prairie, and uh, and we were there, and then we built a big building, and then we're in it, and but when the because we didn't collect an offering, they would have to put it in the side walls. But then it would make getting out of church so tedious and time-consuming that we had to say, okay, let's just pass the plate so people can give and give freely. And so we had start back giving again, but it's to solve the problem of it was taking too long. Nobody was going digital yet. And so when COVID happened and everybody went digital, it just became a mantra for us to say, okay, let's see if we can get to 90% digital giving, online giving. And then when that happened, it was going back to the days when we were at the hotel. And so it was pretty cool to come full circle around that one. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, Pastor Kurt's going to love this one. Number eight is this idea of doing Compassion Sunday. Oh, yeah. Take it away, Pastor Kurt. What do you got? Yeah. All right. So every fifth Sunday, uh, we we determined as a church that we would all go out, not just the outreach people, not just certain people, the whole church. So fifth Sunday came at least four times a year. And so we would meet. We called it, we actually called it um, um, Serve and celebrate mm-hmm. and so we would oh, come yeah. and yeah. uh so we'd have a rally um so people would show up physically to the building um that was amazing times that was really a lot was. of good really fun times really and we was. would we everybody would have their own team so they have like you know red yellow green different colors bandanas, uh, bandanas yep, yeah. or wristbands and things like that and so then we would have like these really shout shouting sections to see who's the loudest and come up with different slogans and stuff so it was a big pep rally before we left. I remember sometimes we would do some church discipline. We had some times where okay. we had to deal with that. But it was good stuff because we had this one lady that was, she had done some stuff and she had okay. to be removed from the church. But she came What kind of rally is this? We celebrated. This is all going on all at the rally. It was this amazing. It was amazing. So did all of that. And then we would go out and then we would go serve. And so we had all kinds of community service projects from doing graffiti to feeding the homeless. Sometimes we made up stuff on the spot, but, and then there were people that just showed up. They didn't know what we were doing and showed up in their dress clothes. And so we actually would rent a bus, um, a couple buses actually, and we would do prayer. We'd do prayer rallies. So they would go around to the city hall, to the schools and different places and then just pray. So we had something for everybody. And then we would come back. Uh, We had a, um, sometimes it would be, uh, we would rent out like a pizza place, um, Y'all don't know nothing about Whirly Ball, but we did some Whirly Ball. um, And so we would just run the show. And so we just celebrate. And it was a great time to celebrate our volunteers. So we would have um, all of our ministry teams. They would pick out two to three different volunteers that they would shout out. And we would really just celebrate them. It's just a really good time. It really was. I remember Alan, the city of Alan asked us one time to clean out this whole uh, little, little, um, gully kind of gutter thing and we had to repaint it because it was all um uh, graffiti and i remember it, but the funnest part for me was to see the families doing it together so to see a dad and a son painting together to see the whole family painting it was just some incredible times i remember um we'd go in a field one time and somebody would get uh what's that thing <laughs> yes and they'd have to do all kinds of stuff man it was just but it was still a fun time where everybody just tried to serve their community and uh those were some of the best days ever which is why we're bringing them back so that one we're bringing back over the next 
12 months. God's going to do it again when we shut the whole church down and serve our communities. That should be fun. Amen. Well, number nine folds into that. It's weekly outreach. Woo! Pastor Kurt, talk about that one. Outreach every single weekend. Yeah, yeah. so it used to be early, uh, early on. It'd be on Fridays. Um, and so we would go, it was so much fun. So we go to Pastor Conway's house, um, and we just get together. We, you know, we just hang out, just whatever was going on, was going on. And we'd be just talking and then, okay, it's time to go. And then we just grab some flyers and we would go to apartments. Pretty much we would focus on apartments cause you can get a lot done, um, in a very little bit amount of time. And so we would just go and we would put these invitation cards, um, on, on these uh, doors. And we would look for opportunities to talk to people as well. A um, lot of stories I could tell about, uh, <laughs> about run-ins with dogs. Um, oh, our, our pastor, he loves dogs. He's from Jamaica. He does, and, he does uh, love he's, dogs. He's got a whole bunch of dogs that he, he just adores. And so, <laughs> and so uh, there's one story. I won't tell all the <laughs> Please details. Don't but, tell uh, Please don't tell it. A dog whisperer. Let's just Please say that uh, our, our pastor, our fearless one, was using little kids as human shields. Okay, Kurt, uh, <laughs> I was not using no kids. But, uh, jumping on cars. But anyway, we had some great, great times. Um, just uh, really invite. But it was really awesome. Um, and I, that's, you know, I really believe that's how our church grew, grew rapidly because you would see people literally that next day that you talked to at church and they would say, you know what, I came. We had people on staff that said, I came because I got a card in my door. And so it's pretty powerful. The good news is no dogs came to church. Praise the Lord. Praise the and Lord. And no dogs were hurt. The praise the Lord. And no kids were hurt either. Just for the uh, record. Just for the record. Said that story. Uh, no, I'm just telling you. It was. You felt like you were on the front lines. You felt like you were doing what God has called us to do, which is to go have conversation around the gospel and then invite people to church. It was incredible. We did it every single week, and we were just on the front lines. It felt like this was what we were made to do. It was incredible. Yeah. And everything. if there's any apartment property managers listening. Oh, yes, please, please. We're please, please, really please. just trying to actually help retention of your uh, people who live there. That's because right. when That's they right. find life in Christ, That's they exactly will. Right. They're not going to move. They're going to stay right there. So, so we're trying to help. And, and by the way, we're not it's not anything. soliciting. We're not selling We're not anything. soliciting or selling anything. Uh, we, just just were, we just were trying to get the gospel out. That's, That's right. it. That's right. Um, so please forgive us Amen. for um, trying to get the gospel out. Biting yeah. in through those gates. That's right. And, you know. Whoa, don't tell all the secrets there. <laughs> don't tell all the secrets. Don't tell them. Uh, number 10. Number 10 here. Uh, before we get hold into on, trouble. Hold on, hold on, Hey, Pastor have you ever been kicked out of an apartment before, Pastor Many times. <laughs> I've been arrested <laughs> once or twice, literally. So, not really arrested. Not they pulled arrested. us over. They checked my ID. Yep. It was craziness. Yep. Then they find out I'm a pastor, and then they, they apologize. And they say, oh, yeah, I listen to Lecrae, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That literally happened. It's a real story. So. Oh, some war stories. Okay, what's the last one, Pastor Matt? Oh, God, <laughs> oh, God, oh, God. I listened to Lecrae, too. That's good right there. Number 10. Uh, Hold on, Pastor Matt. Have you ever hidden behind a pole when a guy was coming across an apartment complex? Tell me one of your horror stories, Pastor Matt. What have you done while we're doing outreach? Somebody's uh, I coming. I don't even want to go there. We, <laughs> we actually, um, one of my stories in Louisville is we had someone who every time we when did outreach would leave a negative Google review for us oh, did they? and then, and then told us next time we come back, they were going to be waiting on us. Oh, gosh. So that just made you want to, you, you had to be a little stealthy there. Yeah. Um, there, there are somebody you can learn from usually, um, the, uh, 
there's a certain kind of restaurant where they tend to put their menus on everyone's doors. And you just need to fly like them because they can put about 100 of those out in 30 seconds. Oh, so you God. just follow how they do that. You want to get the maximum number out. Fried rice and noodles. Stealth in the name of Jesus. Yep. See, I didn't. Got I wasn't going right. to go there. You're but right. be a maintenance person. You just pick up your phone. Go the other like way. You're talking. You just okay. keep walking. And all if you're Pastor Kurt, you have some kind of satchel. You That's need, exactly right. You need to That's hide right. everything. All for the that gospel you, of Jesus Christ. All for the gospel. All for the gospel. Thank you for your grace, God. We appreciate it. All right. What's the last one, Pastor Man? Take us home. Amen. <laughs> number 10, uh, a memorable gift with each series. Oh, that was cool. Yeah, one of the things we always did, whenever we did a series, we'd have somebody uh, take something home at the end of that series. Just so that you'd always remember. We teach with props, and we always want to be extraordinarily visual. So what we usually do is tie whatever series we're doing to something that you can use. So whether it was... Um, something on your desk. I remember we had a switch one time that we gave everybody. So like a light switch. We bought them from all over, uh, mm -hmm. literally the DFW area. And everybody the next day brought a switch, and it was on their desk. People were taking pictures with it, and it was on their desk. A little on-off switch. The on-off yeah, switch, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was cool. Switch. But every single series we do, we try to give somebody something that you can take home yeah. so that That's the good. series lingers beyond that Sunday, really and it becomes good. a conversational piece all the way during the week, and literally sometimes for years. So that was always cool. Any thoughts on that one, Pastor Kurt? My house is littered with them. <laughs> <laughs> You've I'm got like, 14 years <laughs> of memorable <laughs> gifts. <laughs> Give me, you have another one, Kurt? Give me another one that we did. Oh, man. I remember we, that sweat. We got the, the, flags. We had, oh, yeah, we had flags. We got more refrigerator yes. magnets. 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 That's right. Tons of magnets. Um, man, we've, we've had towels. Oh, yeah. um, we had a pill bottle. Yeah, 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 we did yeah. that for Easter one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it's, awesome. It's really oh, always something that we do. That's All good. Right. Well, um, 10 unique strategies when growing a church. You know, um, I want to tell you this real quick. My youngest daughter, for whatever reason, has grown to love ice hockey. Hmm. I don't know what they're doing on ice hockey, but what I've learned is when the end of the game comes and a team is losing, and if they're down, sometimes they'll pull their goalie out and they'll bring another person on to play offense. Hmm. And what I learned in hockey is that when the outcome's uncertain, they will risk and get more creative than they will when they are winning That's or ahead. Wow. And a lot of these things are when the outcome is uncertain, yeah. we get risky and we get creative. Yeah. When it gets certain, we lose these things. That's good. So how would you encourage leaders to get outside of their comfort zone to do this? Yeah, I think you should create urgency, mm -hmm. and I think you should create – what I call wartime experiences, yeah. just to remind your team, hey, man, let's not get comfortable. Let's not assume that everything is great. Just because you're growing as a church don't mean you're always going to be growing. And so let's stay hungry. So we usually say things like um, we ought to, we ought to uh, the H's, we ought to stay humble, we ought to stay holy, and we ought to st make sure we have a heart for Jesus Christ. Stay hungry for the lost, um, stay holy, and make sure you have a heart that follows God's heart. Right. And if you, if, you, if you do that over and over and over and ask yourself that question daily, where's my heart? Am I trying to remain holy? And do I have a hunger for the lost? I think you'll stay on the front lines of the gospel and not, and not do what usually happens in most churches, which is over time you kind of settle in and then coast. And the goal is how do we, how do we not go the That's way good. of history and how do we think differently in new seasons? It's really good. Cool. Awesome. Church leaders, pastors, we encourage you 
to not get comfortable, to look at how you could do that. Pastor Kurt, how would you encourage them? I'd say one of the phrases that um, Pastor Conway says often is that the, the characteristics of the kingdom emanate from the character of the king. And uh, he would never say this, but since I've been here for, for 14 years, I've been able to see that. So Pastor Conway always says red hot on fire and mm -hmm. fresh. And right. so, um, and I think those early years are really important especially as a founder, um, yeah. those early episodes, it sets the DNA, the genetics for the church. We won't talk about the one episode where we had this, uh, this drummer um, that was wearing a particular oh, political um, shirt, and Pastor Conway had to set him straight. But that was a defining moment. It I'll was. never forget that. It was. And so, um, but it was also defining because he had to replace that drummer. <laughs> that's why it was defining. So he was the drummer that replaced him. He only lasted two weeks, that's but at right, least, right. at least he tried to go in the that's pocket right, right. and do that's his right. thing. It was that's hilarious. Right. But you, you only sustain <laughs> those kinds of things when, um, when you have that close relationship. Yeah, um, he, you know, we would gather mm. together around that table. Um, once a week, and Pastor Conway would just pour his life into us. And so yeah, we could good. sustain those bumpy roads because we knew he loved us. We knew his vision. We knew his heart for the mm -hmm. Lord. And those genetic lessons um, were learned That's very good. well. And they continue to charge us up today. That's good. And uh, That's good. I think those are really important. That's awesome, really man. Good. That's awesome. You know, we need to talk about Pastor Matt. The next time, I just found it. I think we're going to do it next time. We're going to talk about mistakes we made along the way. Amen. I think that's a really good one. Because really this sounds so much fun and like that's all we were just saying. Oh, yeah. But we made a ton of mistakes. And it's not we fair could. to just tell you the good news. We need to tell you some of the bad news too. Oh, and how we that. messed up along the journey. I think that's Amen. good next time. Yep. It's a lot to chew on. So as you're listening, want to remind you, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us and having mm. fun with us as we learn and grow. And want to encourage you to go to our webpage, visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. Then you can find the show notes. And then we'd encourage you, wherever you're watching from, whatever podcast app or YouTube, encourage you to leave a review or share this with somebody that you think could grow because of this. And mm -hmm. we want to thank you. Encourage you to go through this with your team, with your church, however this can best help you. And we cannot wait to see you again next month. Thank you again for joining us for the Leadership Roundtable. Pastor Kurt, with a number of great stories in the history of One Community Church. Come on. And Pastor Conway, thank you again. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next month. God bless. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It has been an honor to have you here with us. Now, just want to remind you that all of the resources we talked about today are available online at visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. Now, if this has been helpful, leave us a review, go out there and hit subscribe, and more importantly, share this with your team so that everybody can grow. We can't wait to see you next time.